Hello everybody and welcome to WTS175. My name is Danny Murray. And I am Merrill. You I am Merrill Merrigan. How are you? Good, how are you? Good man, I'm good. Uh it's a rare occasion that we're both fed and watered as we uh <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> As we kick off a podcast, man, it's great crack all together. Any time you say fed and watered, I always feel like I'm a rhino in Dublin Zoo or something. <laughs> man, have you ever? And this probably says more about me than it does anything else. But have you ever, on occasion, just on the YouTube, uh, watched rhinos with flatulence or rhinos having a poo? You sent me these links before, <laughs> like. I just I. <laughs> Did you ever see dog? Did you ever see the compilations of dogs sneezing? Yes. On YouTube. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic thing to see. It's absolutely fantastic. Man, what about that thing I sent you from Twitter the other day? With uh, like the dog barking and then just fucking its bowl at the owner. <laughs> Susan, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hilarious, That's- man. Twitter, Twitter the last week has given me a barrel of laughs. With yeah. si- simply with those captions of like a random dog doing something and then some guy just creating a caption of what a human would do. Yeah, yeah. No, man. Um, Twitter has been good this week. I was getting a little bit kind of fed up of just the, the bad side of Twitter, shall we say. Yeah. It's been good this week. And one of the good you things... the bad side of Twitter out, though. Say again? You can block the bad side of Twitter out if you like. You, you can well, yeah. For the most part, you can. But you know yourself. Sometimes, and sometimes it's it's the people that you know you've allowed into your circle that disappoint you the most. You know what I mean? <laughs> like making a Pierce Morgan tweet or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what and I was then, getting to. And say the first sentence. I usually don't agree with him, but yeah, yeah. Somebody who I followed for a long time recently retweeted a Katie Hopkins tweet. Oh, I have were blocked years. Yeah, I unfollowed them. <laughs> it doesn't, so they're probably. If, I I don't think anybody. I don't also. I don't understand grown men who use that. Do you ever see that? You just see the random tweet from one of your mates, and it's like four people unfollowed me this week. Find out who unfollowed you. But I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? You're like 37 years of age. <laughs> That's what you want. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just yeah. And they, that's an automated uh, tweet. Yeah. So yeah. does the does the does the user get to see who unfollowed them? Yeah, I think they have to sign up to, or they have to at some point or another allow permission for that thing to access their Twitter account. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. But anyway, speaking of Twitter, yourself and yeah. yourself had a disagreement this week, but it was a healthy disagreement. Did we? Yeah. Over the meaning of the word trapped. Ah, yeah, but look, I wasn't getting into a debate over the meaning of the word trapped. No, I know, I, was, I know, I know. I, what, what, what forced me to tweet was I was a bit hungover on Sunday. I'd been sleeping uh, in, an, in and out of sleep, so I woke up and I seen uh, Minister Harris trapped. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, what's this? Did you instantly go to a cave full of toy fucking footballers, did you? <laughs> No, you absolute villain! <laughs> did you go to Did you go to a mine in Chile? Did you? I read I read three articles and then I seen uh, video footage, and I was like, "Ah, come on, he's not trapped." Sensationalism at its best, I thought. Yeah, no, and, and I, I, I thought I thought there would have been a, 
with the speci- especially with the footage, specifically with the footage, I thought there was gonna footage was gonna show me of people like blocking them from somewhere or mm. it, it was nonsense. I, I do I, think I do think the protesters were completely wrong and it, yeah, it's completely yeah. inappropriate to do that. There's better ways to protest, in my opinion. I I just think and and I know like I'm not necessarily disagreeing. It is sensationalist, but at the same time. I, I don't disagree with the term trapped being used for it, right? The, the, the fact that Minister Simon Harris is under the cosh at the moment for several reasons. Now, by the time this podcast goes out, some of them reasons may be solved. I don't know. But you've got the nurses' strike, uh, which seems to be somewhere near getting resolved, thank God. Come on, the nurses. You've got the... I don't know if they're happy with it. I don't know, but look, ultimately it's going to be put to a ballot for them, isn't it? So, you know what I mean? Um, you've got the the new children's hospital and him having to apologise uh, in the doll. You have the cervical cancer scandal going on and all these other fucking things going on as well, right? So he's a man who's under immense pressure as it is. His wife has just had a new baby and then you get these 12 or 15 lemons, whatever they were, outside your door on a Sunday morning. You know, now fair enough. It's not like they were an angry mob, from what I see and understand and read. It was it was peaceful, right? But at the same, guards were there. Say again. Guards were there as well. I think the guards were called to uh, after the fact, yeah, because like they were like, oh, no, the guards, every minister has twenty four hour uh, protection, and the guards there went on <laughs> went on a tea break, and when they went on the tea break, these these pro- protesters showed up. Right, so well, when they came back, they came back. The guards approached him, and there was footage of it. And the guards were like, "Well, yeah, that, you're entitled to do this." And four of them lived in the minister's estate. Yeah, yeah, and and but, but here's the thing for me, right? So if I'm Simon Harris with all those external factors going on, Mrs. Jules has a new kid, and I'm inside, and I see any. It doesn't matter if it's two people, doesn't matter if it's fifteen people, doesn't matter if it's a hundred people. Simple fact is, there's a lot of people in his driveway, essentially. Chanting against him, I, I can understand. No I, say again. There's no chance. Well, for, all right, fine. I'm using the, the term chant. I mean, they're standing outside with signs saying "Take it to their houses." You know what I mean? Fair mm. enough. There's no chance, but there there's signs then, right? There's signs. Like I can understand the term "trapped" being used there. If I was in that situation, I wouldn't be entirely comfortable with leaving the house. You know what I mean? Like what? Like fair. It might only be you know. A, a kind of a little bit of abuse shouted. It might be absolutely nothing. It might be an egg thrown, a la John Prescott, or it could be something far more sinister. You don't know. But the simple fact is, if you're made feel nervous in your own house, I'm okay with somebody using the term "trapped," even if it is in a tabloid headline. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. I just my expectation was to see somebody physically trapped and physically unable to leave their home or when I like I judging by the footage I've seen and even the guards that said right it's peaceful you you can do this you can you can be here and judging and and I'm I'm pure I'm just I'm absolutely assuming that if the minister at one point wanted to get out uh, of his house into his car and go about his Sunday plans or whatever. Mm. I don't see. I don't see a situation, and um, from what I seen in the footage, I don't see a situation where he would have been denied that. But that's me assuming from what I've seen in the videos. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. we're all making assumptions because it didn't play out in any other way than it did. So exactly, but, uh, there, 
they were there for an, an hour or two. Yeah. And but, as I said, I, I I think it's I think it's silly to take it to the houses. But some people are are I'm not saying I am. I'm saying so because I'm not really infected, so to speak. But some people feel that politicians' TDs. This isn't the first time protesters brought uh, stuff to the doorsteps of, of politicians. No, so maybe maybe sometimes uh, people who are victims of decisions that are made by politicians feel like they're at no other point but to bring it to the the doorstep and to make a point. Look, you're actually your decisions and your ideology is actually ruining me and ruining my life. And, and so, they, they can feel like that, but at no point are, is, is it... Well, and again, and in my opinion, this is, of course, at no point is it acceptable for any uh, private citizen to approach a public official in a private capacity like that. Um, th- There's ways and means to go about it, but going to their house where there's somebody who's not involved in the shape of his wife and indeed his, his child. But I don't want to bring them into it even because that that's going to a kind of route of like, you're trying to pull sympathy out of this or whatever. And it's not even that. It's more so just, <sighs> yeah, look, that, that, there's a way of doing things. And I just think that, that what happened at the weekend was a pile of shy. Um, but that said, uh, that said, I, I still think Harris is doing an absolutely horrific job in his current portfolio. You know? Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I, I don't know why I even brought this up, to be honest with you, because I fucking hate talking about politics on the podcast. Right, will we go to our guest? Yeah, I'd much <laughs> rather talk about pepper sauce and have a bit of crack with our guest here. Like, who was it? Our guest this week, Limerick's finest, and the voice of severe MMA, one of Ireland's brightest minds when it comes to mixed martial arts, the one and only Sean Sheehan. Sean Sheehan, Limerick's finest. A man who has many talents, and some of them talents include helping people win money through betting tips. Sean, how can I win money this week? I'm broke. Uh, I actually, when is this podcast <laughs> coming out? I don't want to say it because I'm actually putting a bet on myself. It's the first time I'd say, I'd say maybe a year that I've actually put a bet on. I haven't done it yet. But um, Bruce Leroy this weekend, Alex Caceres, is five, five to two, yeah, two and a half to one to beat Cron Gracie. Like, I honestly do not understand how those odds are like that. Cron Gracie, the last time he fought, he was pulling guard, throwing psychics like Heist in 1993. Like, he hadn't a clue what he was doing. <laughs> and he's face-fighting Volex. Fucking Alex Caceres has been in the UFC for about 15 years. Who, who goes three rounds of really good guys and stuff. I, I honestly cannot understand it. Remarket your house. Better than Alex Caceres. You'll get two and a half houses out of it. It'll be grand. So there you go. Right, done, don't, don't blame me if you lose. <laughs> the, podcast, the podcast goes out on Sunday. So, what card are we talking about? It's Sunday night, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Sunday night, yeah, I think, this I week. So, there's, look, there's we'll, two bells on the UFC card this weekend. So, it's busy all weekend. Is it? It's Cain Velasquez, isn't it? Yeah, Cain Velasquez and Brig Fancy. That should be fun. Cain Velasquez is a man who looks like. He hasn't done too well since USADA came to town. I don't know. It's... You can put... Like, there's a lot of two and twos being put together. You can do it for a lot of fighters. But, like, to me, I always... When someone says that about, like, someone who was a champion, I always look at Rashad Evans and hear hear what he said. You know, he said after he became a champion, Mm. he was like... I, I wasn't any different. You know, I still had two hands and two feet the next day, and I thought I'd be this superhuman after I won the championship. And it was just the same. And it's kind of... It's hard to keep up. That that going red as a champion, and the way Ken Velasquez trained, and the way he fought, fought as well, 
and it, like it's he's just had so many injuries. And I was I was talking about it actually on the podcast the other day. Like I know two of you lads follow soccer and, and different things. Like let's say someone like Vincent Company, you look at him playing for Man City, you think he's very injury prone. Like he's he's always injured, get injured loads of times. But Vincent Company's probably played twenty five games this season, and he probably played the same last season or maybe a little bit more. And like he's probably had more injuries than Cain Velasquez. But Cain Velasquez has only fought once or twice in the last you know three or four years. So it's a bit insane for an MMA fighter. It's a lot different. Like you could get a bit of an injury coming out of a fight. You could be out for three or four months, didn't get another fight, and get an injury before that, and then there's a whole year gone. Like you know, so it's. I think to to Carlick Ken Velasquez with Usada, I don't think it's very fair to be honest. But look, you never know. He never failed the test running, so you can't go accusing him. I can't anyway. He can maybe, but I can't anyway. So. <laughs> All right, Sean, just pissing me cornflakes there at me, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my beer. Sean, you got fairly giddy there last week with the news that uh, Sky have signed to Bellator. Yeah. Talk to us about it and how excited you were about it. Yeah, it's, I actually have an article coming out there on Sherdog next week about it. And it's like, when this card was announced, I think most people were, and I'm giving away my whole article, so there's no point reading it now, lads, but... <laughs> <laughs> when this when this uh when this card was announced i think look everyone in irish mma was like fuck we're delighted for all the lads getting fights they've been waiting a long time a lot of these guys you know james Gunner, uh, peter carroll i nearly call him P- peter carroll yeah peter queely i oh, i always oh, i'm gone very bad for calling calling people peter carroll but yeah peter queely miles price you know go go off down the list charlie ward the rest of them and like we're, it was great that the card was announced a lot of Irish guys, but we still, you know, when it's a Bellator card or you know a big UFC card or whatever, you kind of want that big name, don't you? You're kind of yeah. missing, you know, like when Dustin Poirier was supposed to be on that card against Joseph Duffy, everyone was fucking delighted. Steep and yeah. Rockwell was supposed to be on, it, and we didn't really have that, and we were all we were a bit down on it. But now the Sky Deal comes and it just turns everything around, and it's turned from an average run of the mill card to like a huge card on a momentous occasion, the first kind of prime time big sports channel. Well, the biggest sports channel anyway. So it's it's pretty big for those guys as well as, you know, myself and you watching it. I think as well that there's an element of, of well, I don't know, for me, and this is probably me trying to be uh, more intelligent than I am, right, which is always dangerous. But th- this whole thing of main sports media still kind of being a little bit of a blackguard and a little bit kind of lagging when it comes to MMA, having... Sky now have a run across their little ticker tape at the bottom of Sky Sports News and that kind of thing. It just adds that extra layer of kind of legitimacy to it or something that I, I think MMA was lacking in in this part of the world up yeah. until now. I think it's brilliant that 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 we have kind of a big organisation signed with something as big as Sky Sports, like. Yeah, when you look at that Bellator as well, like, you know, if it was for the UFC, it'd be definitely huge. But I think for Bellator, it's even bigger. Like, the thing about Bellator is just the word Bellator. Like, everyone knows what the UFC is. But mm. Bellator, does everyone know what Bellator is? If it does come up in that ticker tape, will people know what it is? Or people look and say, oh, what's that? Oh, that's coming up tonight. Maybe I'll watch that. You know, it's on at half seven after the, the evening Premier League game or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll give a look at that. So I think that's huge for Bellator. Like, we, we know about it. But anyone listening kind of you know, outside the country or anything, like every fucking pub during the day, every bookmaker, every barbershop you yeah. go into has Sky Sports News rolling, like, and I've seen it even the last couple of days, they have MVP versus Daily on the big side thing there, uh, like at the very start, that's, that is huge for Bellator, I can't, I can't stress how big that is, and especially like, this is not, if they'd put up a YouTube stream of this, we would have all been fucking delighted just so we can watch it, yeah. but now the fact they've got it on Sky Sports News, you know, however they got it, however much they're making over it, it doesn't really matter even, it's just where they have it, they, they couldn't, like you couldn't pay for better advertising than this, so it's absolutely huge for them. 
I wonder why it took Sky so long. It's been years. They had Cage Warriors years and years ago, but mm-hmm. I remember watching Chris Fields win the title down in Jordan um, with it, but I haven't... They haven't they haven't put their head into MMA in a long time. I wonder what took them so long. Like what I was thought before was there was a guy who was like the head of sports in in Sky Sports or whatever uh, he would be if he was in Sky Sports. But he he liked MMA and he you know he had the cage rage and a bit of cage warriors and stuff back on the other time. And then he either left his job or lost his job or whatever. And the new guy came coming in absolutely hated it. But there was a kind of a talk not too long ago that you know Sky have lost lots of stuff. They lost the Champions League. They've you know they've lost loads of of different things to BT and other places. And you know there was talk of the UFC. Remember when the UFC re-upped kind of with, with eleven mm. sports there, and even yeah. that kind of a couple of years before that, there was little bits of talk of it as well, but not never materialized. I think the UFC are probably looking for too much money for their rights, but it was definitely cooling out, out of maybe necessity more than anything, just to have another sports property on on the channel. And I think that's probably the reason why they've cooled it. But the reason it wasn't on it for years, or they wouldn't even talk about it, was apparently because of of the the head of sports. Yeah, it's. <sighs> I don't know. I, 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 like, I'm just excited that we're going. Like, I mean, if that Fedor Bader fight had been on Sky Sports a couple of weeks ago, it would have been fucking great. Like, you know what I mean? It'd be amazing. But look, better late than pregnant, I always say. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. But I, I, in relation to the Dublin Bellator card, um, I think Miles is going to be Peter Quilly. Do you? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, Quilly. <clears throat> You would know Quilly. Like if Quilly comes out and he fights as well as he can, I think he'll win. But you would know Miles. Like Miles has gone out. He was training AK for a good while. How much is his wrestling improved? You know, Miles' striking is very good. I think everyone w- would admit that. And if it's a stand-up fight, you know, Quilly's improved an awful lot. But it, you know, it, it it could go either way there. But if Quilly's able to get him to the ground, I think he wins it there. You know, we saw what Norman Parr uh, did to did to Miles Price, and Quilly has that in his locker as well. But. Myself and Gray were talking about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we both kind of leaned towards Queeley, but you'd never know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised with a shock, but I think, you know, I think it's the most, it's probably the most competitive fight in the car. Do you, what do you think? Like, I, I think it, it has to be up there as one of the best, anyway. It, it is one of the most yeah. competitive uh, fights in the card, but would it be a shock if he was to lose? I don't know. I, I, I think for. It's hard to know, really, and hard to gauge it. Because, like, if you look at Queeley's record, you know, he has some very good wins and a lot of, gone out far and beat a lot of good guys. But, you know, he lost to Joe McCollum then. And, you know, he's it's difficult to know where Queeley is because he makes improvements and then, you know, he kind of loses a fight or, or gets... He got a, co- a couple of tough decisions there, I think, as well. And, you know, he, he came out and he finished his, his opponent in his last fight. So, you know, that was that was very good. But, like, I think Queeley has... I think he has scope to improve a lot. And I think he has been improving. But, like, if... I feel him with Queeley at some stage, there's going to be like a big kick on and he'll improve an awful lot. Whereas Miles, I think Miles is is kind of the fighter he's been for for a good while. Although with AKA, you'd never know. Like it's it's interesting. See, what, you're after, what, what you're after saying there is is how I would describe uh, Peter. Um, in Like Peter doesn't say no to fights, let's be honest. He yeah. takes fights all over the world. But what's going to give, what with this Bellator Sky deal now, it'll be able to give us fans... Uh, We'll be able to follow it a lot more in the sense that we know who Peter's opponents are going to be or James Gallagher's opponents are going to be. I remember when Bama first came over and you're 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 watching the Irish crop um, being matched up against absolute nobody's like. Mm-hmm. 
with this yeah. guy deal, they'll be able to follow it a bit more and we'll be able to say, oh, Jesus, yeah, his opponent's very good. Oh, Jesus, yeah, Richie Coyley's facing off this against this guy. He's very good, you know, but we haven't got that just yet. So I don't know what I'm saying here, actually. I'm just waffling, but... Uh, have, you had, have you had Richard Coyley on yet, actually? I, I was talking to him yesterday yeah. on the podcast. He's a gas man, isn't he? Yeah, we had him, we had him about a year ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had him before Religion. he fought uh, your man Daniel o- Olinchek. Yeah, yeah. Um, Olinichek, yeah, I think he's yeah, fighting Kiefer this weekend actually as well, isn't he? That, yeah, so, that's right. He's fighting Kiefer Crosby yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I like Kiefer is someone I'm I'm um Kiefer's probably probably um out of all the SVG guys that I'm probably more excited about watching. Mm-hmm. Even over James Gallagher. Yeah, it's like Kiefer as well, he's kind of maybe a step down disappointment as well. You know, he's Olinichek has lost a a good few fights at this stage, you know. Josh Brandt, I think, is a pretty good fighter. Who, who Kiefer fought? The, his, I think it was his, it was his last fight. I wasn't in that absolute fucking war above in Dublin. So it's maybe a little bit of a setback. But I, you know, I don't think that's any harm. I was talking to someone about it the other day, and I was even talking to the lads there, and I was talking to Ian Gary today and and um, Kylie the the day before about. You know, a lot of these Irish fight guys, they want to fight the best guys in the world right now. And not, not even in Ireland, the best guys in the world or Europe right now. And I fucking, I, I really don't think that's the best idea in the world. Especially with a guy like like Kiefer, I agree with you. He, I'm I'm really excited by him. And you know, I'm really excited by the likes of James and, you know, Reese McKee over in uh, Cage Warriors and yeah. Ian Gary and loads of them. But, like, I, I think it's no harm. Get four or five fights under your belt against guys who are, you know, one and one, one and oh, maybe, you know, one and two or something like that. I don't think there's any harm at all. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see how he does against Daniel Linichek. But, you know, it's it's a potential, you know, banana skin as well if he was to, to lose or anything. But, you know, I, I don't think that'll happen. But, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him back again, seeing uh, see how the improvements he's made after that Josh Plant war as well. I think... I think kind of what you touched on there is definitely true. Like a lot of the Irish lads seem to be just willing to fight absolutely anybody yeah. at any time. And yeah, look from the point of view of kind of like you know, well, it's fighting great. But then from the point of view of kind of saying, well, now if you want to actually build something out of this, you know, be a little bit cleverer. Um, I think some of the, some of the fights on the Bellator card for me are just going to be scraps. They're just going to be absolute scraps like and I'm not 100% sure where some of the guys will go from there you know um, actually the one that was thinking I think Sinead Kavanagh is out though isn't she sorry that just had a popping into my head that I see today Sinead Kavanagh is, is I out I didn't see that yet no I'm almost certain I could, now, no, I could be wrong hang on right you was talking amongst yourselves there lads well, like, a, a card, like a well oiled machine I looked this up on the Google <laughs> a, card, uh, a card with someone dropping out wouldn't be a uh... Surprise. There's so many fights in this as well. Looking through this, there's about fucking 20 fights. Like one as well, we kind of, I think a lot of people are bypassing. And uh, Carl Moore against Yannick Bahati, that's a fucking great fight. You know, Carl Moore fighting in uh, almost a two way champion in, in, uh, in Cage Wars. I know Yannick Bahati's given up a few few losses now, but he, you know, he was on a good bit of a win streak. I think four or five fights there at one stage. And, you know, he's a, he's a good guy as well. Fought a lot of good guys, like, you know, around the, the local scene as well. So, I don't know if you can see that. Shen- Shenek Havana? Can't know what does it yeah, say. Uh, Sinead Kavanagh out of Bellator 217. Ioni in steps in against Olga Rubin. Uh, everybody's mate and uh, a man who everybody wishes was on the Bellator card. PC Carroll reporting that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's freak. I wouldn't believe it's all. Click B. I'll have to read the article, Graham, and uh, I don't give PC Carroll the satisfaction of actually reading this stuff. Yeah, so I'm not no, doing that. You shouldn't have even clicked it. What about Redzer's on the card, isn't he, Sean? He is, yeah. I was yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, looking up and down through the card. You know, Redzer's, 
he's a guy as well. You know, he had that bad broken nose there in, in his last fight. So he's come back against Charlie Leary. I was watching a couple of Charlie Leary's fights earlier on the week, actually. Like, he's... Charlie Leary's no joke either. Like, he hits very, very hard and good takedowns and everything like that. So that's, that's, a, that's a good scrap as well. Though. There's a lot of good scraps in this. Maybe... Maybe they're not the blow-away fights that you're looking for to, to light, you know, to, to put up in lights. But I think that's, yeah, that's a good fight as well. Like, Redzer is one. Redzer is another guy I really think, like, Redzer got signed to the UFC way too early, I think. And he, he's made a lot of improvements since then. But, you know, it's hard getting fights. You know, he's fought in KSW and Bama and now Bellator, you know, going all over the place. <clears throat> you know, it's hard to get three or four fights in a row. And I think, I really think if Redzer is, is one of those guys, if he can get four, three or four or five fights in a row, he could really kick on and, you know, go go maybe to the next level. Now, I'm not saying fucking Bellator champion or anything like that. You know, maybe in the future, but I really think he could kick on if he was able to get that that strong betting behind him. Is is Bama gone the way of the Dodo, lads? I'd say so, yeah. It seems like it, doesn't it? I've sent him like four emails at this stage saying, here, lads, <laughs> are you still alive? <laughs> and I've got nothing back, so... <laughs> I don't think they are, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good riddance. Yeah. Um, do you think with the um, with the Bellator deal now, will, will we still only see two Dublin cards a year or will they increase it? Like, I'd say two would be good, I think. I think two is enough because you'll have, you know, you're going to have that Birmingham card here. There's David Green, I think, didn't, he kind of gave it away last and they're going to have a Glasgow card as well. So, you know, you're going to have this, that six-fight European series. But also, like, this Dublin card coming up is not part of that European series. This is Bellator 217. So maybe we could get an extra one this year or something like that. But yeah, I think like t- t- the thing as well about Dublin cards is it's very expensive to put on a card in Dublin. Now, you know, our, our good friend there, Pizza Carroll, has, has done a lot of work about it, you know, talking about how expensive it is. You have to get all, you know, top class testing and stuff for all the fighters coming in here more so than, you know, I think any other country in the world. So it's very expensive to put on the show and the three arena is expensive as well. And, you know, there's, okay, you know, there's a lot of talk about it being close to a sellout, but it, it's going to be very hard to sell the three arena out every time and there's no other smaller venue really is there there's no like oh. 4,000 5,000 venue as well so that's that's another issue for them as well but I think you know the one they, thing about this being Bellator is though that they don't open the, open the upper tiers either yeah, but I think there's there's talk that they are but you never know I, I've asked as well and I haven't got an answer back but a lot of the talk is, and I think some of the Ticketmaster tickets as well, a lot of people are saying, oh, sure, they're upper tier tickets, but you'd never, you won't know until you're there on next, uh, is it Saturday, uh, night? Yeah. Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. Yeah. You hear that with the, the previous cards, it's sold out, and even, I know fighters are trying to hype it and all, and you, you hear fighters say, oh, sold out Dublin. It's, mm. they've, they've never sold out. Yeah. The thing about this yeah. one is, though, if you look on Ticketmaster, at the moment, well, yesterday I checked, there was... 28 different loads of nine tickets. So what's whatever you can make that up, you know, yeah. three or four hundred. So if there's only three or four hundred tickets left, you can that's as good a sellout to me. Like, you know, if especially if they have nine thousand open or whatever, that's and, even you know, even four and a half thousand or whatever, that's a lot of people. And could you view the seating chart for a song? No, you can you can view the seating chart, but it doesn't show like it's not the live map. What yeah. Picks are up and yeah, they don't have that in Ticketmaster here anyway, I don't think. Uh, they uh, they do, but only for like I think the the, 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 the Aviva Stadium is the only place I've seen it in. I haven't seen it for any other venue, and uh, I don't think they'll be going to the Aviva Stadium anytime soon. I don't think so. KSW legends. I love it again. You're you're at that KSW card as well, aren't you? That was fucking insane. Yeah. That was that was <laughs> mad. <laughs> You and Nancy nearly got killed. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, we did. Yeah, I was actually uh, my friend's thirty in Wexford the day before that, 
And you know now, like a night out in Wexford, I I arrived, I went from Wexford to Dublin, and I was fucking dying sitting there on press row, just absolutely fucking dying. It's like, and then I was like, didn't didn't the show started? And I was like, what the fuck? What am I doing? It was like I transported to a different country. I was just there looking at these lights, these lads in these big fucking cages, nine of them sitting on top of each other in these big boxes. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, lads? It was, it was one of the, like some people, I, I had an argument with someone, I think it was David Martin, well not an argument, a discussion on, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about like, there's you, there's nothing compared to the KSW, okay you can have the best, they don't have the best fighters in the world or whatever, but the show, there is, I don't uh, care, nothing, I've been to the UFCs, been to Bellator, Bama, k and everything, nothing compared to, K, to KSW, it's unbelievable. I, I agree 100%, you see when um, the fighters came out on top of the scaffolding, I was thinking, yeah. this is fe- WCW back in the mid 90s. They <laughs> faces on one side and the heels on the other. Spills. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's he doing up there? <laughs> was he with the heels or baby faces? You would know him. They would know Baby faces. Yeah, I was uh, expecting uh, Paul Heyman to come out in the crowd, start chatting ECW <laughs> or something. <laughs> That's what it felt like, though. Yeah. But then the crowd started killing each other. Yeah, that was that was crazy. And then fucking when um, Pujanowski came out and there was just a big sway crowd straight down. I thought I was going to get killed. I was like, Jesus, I waited half an hour after the show ended to just go out. I didn't want to get fucking stabbed outside. It was, mm. <laughs> I it was 45 minutes before the end. I legged it after the Norman Park fight, I think. Jeez, they went insane after that, didn't they? Because that was no contest, wasn't it? Yeah, they went mad. Uh, the, two, the two sets of supporters for the two fighters were killing each other. Yeah, Jesus. Um, what did you think of Whitaker pulling out? I suppose it's it's hard to criticize him anyway, isn't it? You know, when you get a what was it again? It was a hernia, God. wasn't it? Hernia, that's it. Yeah, it's hernia. I was th- I was talking to a friend of mine who works uh, in the the medical uh, area, and he was kind of saying to me it was either a thing you get when you're kind of old, or when you put stress on your body. So like, you know, I'm sure the weight cut didn't yeah. help, and you know, when you're that depleted, you don't have to be out there, you know, jumping off the top rope like ricochet to pull a hernia. I don't think like I, I think you you could be fucking. You could be warming up and you you kind of pull it side. Like, this fucking whale cutting, if you want to get me into a rant about that, like, it, it annoys me so much. And all, everyone, every time people say, someone gets injured, like, half an hour before a fight, and they're like, oh, it's not whale cutting. I'm like, yeah, it is, and it's fucking not whale cutting. This man just cut 25 pounds of water the day before, and you're telling me that had no effect on him getting sick or pulling a hernia or, you know, falling on a, on a banana skin or something. It's a lot of bullshit. I, I absolutely hate waiting on I wish we could get rid of it. When you When you tweet about that, um, as you do sometimes, um, you do get fighters disagreeing with you. That's I think that's odd. Yeah, I don't know. See, the fight, like the fighter has a has to have a very set mentality in this sort of thing. They have to like, I'm professional. My job is to make weight, and it is, and they're a hundred percent right. But like, I think, I think the the fighter has to be strong about these things, where we can kind of look at them and say this is fucking bullshit. Like, and and you know, take a backward look at. It. And a lot of fighters say, you know, if you can't make the weight, just drop down and weight, or drop up and weight, or go up and weight, and uh, and fight at a higher weight. And you know, okay, fair enough. But the problem with that is. You might have one fighter out of every 50 doing that or more. Most fighters will not do it. Every, like these guys, they didn't take this job because it's easy. This is the hardest job in the world. You have to do boxing, kickboxing, judo, fucking wrestling, jujitsu, everything. And everything they try to be the best in the world at. And like they're not going to give up 10 pounds in weight to someone they're fighting. 
just because they're they're like, oh, you should go up and wait if you can't make the weight. Like, they're going to try to make it as much as they possibly can. That little bit, of, like, and it's not a little bit of an advantage. Ten pounds of an advantage could be absolutely huge. You know, we've seen fights before. So I think that needs to be taken out of our hands completely. I really, really do. Like, there's, there has to be a different way. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like when the contracts are signed, two lads should weigh themselves. And look, one fellow weighs 161, one fellow weighs 157. Go to the ball, lads. Look, they're the weights. Do you want to take the fight? And one goes, yeah, one goes, yeah, yeah. Grand. You're going to fight on March the 30th. Doesn't matter what you weigh. We're, you're fighting at that. There you go. And if they come in, weigh them the day before. And if they come in and they're fucking 20 pounds above the weight, they're not fighting at that weight that they give anymore. Like, if, if there's like a, you know, put in some sort of clause that, that says if you take the piss out of it, like, you're you're not allowed to fight at this sort of weight for the next time you have to give a 10-pound advantage or something like that. And you wouldn't be long stopping lads taking the piss out of it. I, like, that might not be the best solution, but, like, I'd love to see a solution like that. Or else, do what you have for the next year, but take weights. Every time USADA gums are even uh, different from USADA, <clears throat> bring away in scales. Take the weights of the guys out of camp, in camp. Get their natural weight all year round group them into weight classes and then just matchmake. Don't mind weigh anywhere. Just matchmake, guys. You know, Conor McGregor could fight Habib Nurmagomedov and it doesn't matter what they weigh. They go in, they fight, and that's it. Like, I don't understand why they, why they can't do that. I think they can do that. And let's, let's just do it. This system needs to be fucking torn up and started again. I really do think that. What weight, how, could, how would you have weight division champions with that idea then? Like, I think the matchmakers can do it. Like, the matchmakers, you're, like, you're not going to matchmake Demetrius Johnson against Ben Rothwell. Like, you know, put them all, make these guys flyweight. You know, Demetrius Johnson, Joseph Benavides, whoever, they're the flyweight. Mm. The next group, this is your weight. If you want to, you know, if you want to move out of that weight class, you know, find a way to, but we, you know, I, okay, I'm, not, I'm thinking up of a whole new system here, but like, find a way <laughs> of doing it. Like, show, show these guys what you're weighing in. You know, go to send them to the doctors like three times a year to get their official weights. You know, if you want to move up in weight, this is the way that I am. You know, all year round. Or if you want to move down in weight, this is the way that I am all year round. I think it's possible. Like, what wasn't wasn't there thought of something similar? And I don't know who proposed it. And I don't know where I've seen it, but 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 I definitely seen it before because it's far too intelligent for me to think of. But something similar to what you're suggesting, Sean. But it was then a kind of plus or minus five percent was basically what they were suggesting. That like you essentially have a mean weight that that is kind of your class mm-hmm. and you can go plus or minus five percent of that to fight somebody else so if that meant that you add five percent and somebody else takes five percent away and that's how you get a cross divisional match deadly let's do it but otherwise that's the lane that you stick in kind of thing and that eliminates this idea of you know the the, the torture that is a wake up for some of these guys like and we've all seen the horror stories and we've all seen like people, you know, at weigh-ins at events that you're thinking, my God, they just do not look healthy at all. And I include some some of the Conor McGregor 145 weigh-ins. Conor looked yeah. very, very, you know. And then, like, so, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you in the sense of kind of, I would never, I never put a bet on a fight until I've seen guys weigh in, or girls weigh in for that matter, because sometimes they just look far too depleted to even think about putting any sort of money on that fight like it's 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 a frightening thing to see the stuff that some of them go through yeah it's like it's insane like i remember that mcgregor weighing in dublin i genuinely thought it was paddy hoolan coming out to weigh in when i saw him. i was like oh jesus that's mcgregor like it was it's actually crazy how different they look and i think mcgregor's kind of he's an odd case as well because i think a lot of the weight comes out of his face and tj mm. lillish i was talking about the same with him they actually look a lot worse but some people you'd see him falling around and everything they just look so bad it's like 
why would why do we have that situation? I really hate it. Like I, I know, okay, my solutions that I said there could be complete bollocks, and you know they probably are. But like this is more complete bollocks than what I talked. Like this it needs to stop. I absolutely fucking hate it. Like it's it's causing so many problems as well. Like lads are getting injured as well because they're depleted in training camp, mm. trying to keep their weight down, not getting enough calories in because they have to make this weight. It's insanity, like it really is. It's- it is insanity. It absolutely is. And um, what fights are you looking forward to in the UFC, Sean? Jesus, there's a lot of them coming up. This, this card this weekend, like Paul uh, Paul Felder against James Vick is a great, yes. a great fight. Big big Francie against uh, against Cam Velasquez an unreal fight. You know, there's there's lots of them coming up. Like even if you you run through the divisions, you know, DC and in, in the top two divisions there, it's it's hard to know. You know where he's gonna go next. That Brock Lesnar fight could be could be fun, but let, let's see if it happens. John Jones, Anthony Smith. I don't think that'll be much of a fight. You know, it's interesting to see what happens with Robert Whitaker coming through here. Tyron Woodley, Usman. I think that'll be a good fight, but I fancy uh, Whitaker. And that's interesting to see as well what Habib does. You know, Max Holloway. What's he gonna do next? And TJ is he gonna fight Henry Cejudo? And then you know, for the women as well, I'd love to see that rematch between uh, Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg, and then Andrade against. Uh, Against Rosam Yunus and Valentina Shashinko is going to be coming back pretty soon as well. So you know, there's a lot of a lot of good fights coming up there. Maybe not the blockbuster fights, but I think this is a time of year where the blockbuster fights aren't made. We're going to be looking towards the summer now for those those big fights. And you know, Daniel Cormier isn't retiring either. Shock horror! So uh, that that John Jones or Brock Lesnar fight could be happening uh, towards the end of the year. So that should be fun. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think now is usually the time that we start to get a little bit more shape on the year in terms of kind of that like the, the big kind of July fourth weekend that that card usually yeah. tends to be a big one so hopefully start to see something on that soon um, one of the things you didn't mention there and I'm 100% going for the tabloid end of this is the talk of McGregor versus Cowboy yeah yeah, it's it, like it's an interesting. One. I think that's the fight to make. I really do. Like the mm. the biggest problem with that is there's a lot of talk now of it being an interim title, and I ah, I think no. that's I think ah, fuck yeah, off. I agree. I I think that only came from <laughs> Cowboy. Like it must have. Like if you want to put like the, their problem is, and their thinking probably is right when Habib comes back. You don't want to delay that McGregor Habib fight too much, do you? And like if they make Tony versus Poria for the interim title. They, the winner of that will have to fight Habib. And then you're waiting for McGregor versus Habib for another, you know, 18 months from now, maybe. So that's that's their problem. Like, I think the best case scenario that they, that they should probably do, even though I think McGregor versus Cowboy is the fight to make, I think they should just make McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. Or else, get McGregor in there against Cowboy as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then make the winner of that, if it's McGregor, against Tony Ferguson for the interim title. I know you're fucking over Dustin Poirier and stuff, but... Tough shit. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin. And I, I like Dustin Poirier a lot, but that's I can't see him leaving McGregor out of this picture. I really don't. Or if that, you know, maybe what happens is they make Tony versus Dustin Poirier on the same night as McGregor versus Cowboy, mm. and then they have McGregor fight for the interim title against the winner of that, and then he'll fight Abi. But is McGregor going to fight three times in a year no. or eight months or whatever it's going to be? Probably not. So it's a tough one for the UFC to actually, you know, make their way around this. But they, they, I, I don't want to see Conor versus Khabib again no. if it's not. If it's, I, I only want to yeah. see it if it's the Conor that fought Eddie Alvarez or the Conor that looked like he cared. But tabloid Conor looks like he's off the rails, and I don't. I, I've no appetite to see him against the. Uh, Khabib. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. Hey. It's going to make a lot of matters, dollars. Yeah, that's all the matter with Dana White, though, doesn't it? Yeah. But do you not think that the... Do you not think that... The, do you think it'll make as much money as, as the first fight? 
I won't make as much, but it'll make more than any other fight I could possibly make. You know, I, that's the issue here. I, 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 yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with that. And I do think that for, for the UFC now, they don't give a shit if there's a belt on Connor or not. Connor means dollar signs, and that's all that they're interested in. And whatever, whatever, uh, I have to be very careful about what I say, but whatever bullshit is going on outside of fighting, um, for him, all they're worried about is when is he next going to be in a cage? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I I I personally would like to see, from just a fighting perspective I would like to see Connor versus Cerrone next. I I want to see Tony Ferguson and Khabib fight. I, like I like what what is it three times have been scheduled to fight and it hasn't happened for whatever four, reason. I think, isn't it? It's four, Wasn't it like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen? Oh, man, like it's just fourteen. So. Yeah. Jesus, like I just I I need to see that fight. Like to me that that's that's the two best one fifty fivers going up against each other. Like. And, and and it's a fight that has to happen. Like we'd be robbed of something amazing if it didn't happen. So I, I'd I'd way rather see Max Holloway versus Habib, to be honest. Really? I yeah. I think Max I think Max would beat him. I don't think Tony would. You serious? I, yeah. I think Tony's I think Tony's a pretty easy matchup for Habib, to be honest. I think easy is the wrong word, but I, I think he'd beat him. I think he'd take him down and, and destroy him. Like like what what you have to do to beat Habib is you have to be like a technical go forward non-stop fighter mm. and Tony Ferguson to a certain extent is that but I don't think he's technical enough in the way Max Holloway is like you have to keep someone at the end of your jab like Habib you can't let him get inside to get takedowns against you and like Tony is so wild that he would give up takedowns now he might knock Habib out or submit him before Habib gets the chance to, to lay on him for, for five rounds but I, 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 I don't really see it happening against Max that like um, Jose Aldo versus Habib for years was a fight I wanted to see and you know Jose Aldo's a little bit over he's over the top now maybe at the moment but so yeah. maybe not anymore but Ma- Max Holloway is like a step up from Jose Aldo again so, he's so just are, fantastic are, are, are we working day and off the, the basis that like there's nothing for Max to prove at 145 anymore that the next logical step is for him to go and tackle 155 see there's there's three schools of thought here right there's like the sporting school of thought where you know a guy at 145 pound where he's the champion he should defend his belt there 155 pound do the same if you want to get a title shot work your way up then there's the ufc school of thought where you know the best fight the best if it makes the most money and we want to make the most money out of their fights and then there's sean sheen school of thought which is i want to see the best fucking fights out there i don't give a shit what way class you're in i don't care if you've lost your last fight i just want to see the best fights and max holloway versus habib Nurmagomedov is the best fight you can make in mma boxing pro wrestling i don't give a shit i, I want to see that fight make it happen come on sean shelby let's do it <laughs> thank you man sean you know um you were saying there um your opinion in that someone to beat Khabib is someone that goes forward. Mm-hmm. Why, why didn't we see Connor go forward? <laughs> well, Jesus. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a kind of a loaded question. He, he, Connor at the, was doing well at the start. He came out and he's doing well at the start of the second round as well, actually, until he got knocked down. But he, for 10 seconds, he was pushing Habib back doing the right thing. <laughs> for 10 seconds? <laughs> well, it was. I actually watched the fight yesterday, oddly. But uh, Habib went for the takedown from the middle of the cage, running at McGregor. What McGregor loves, he talked about it for years, about the likes of Frank Yeager and Chad Mendes and all, about you know running across the cage, jumping for takedowns against Jose Aldo. And that's what Habib did, and he got him down. And why did he get him down? He got him down because McGregor threw a flying knee. And it's like, that was a stupid, stupid mistake to make. Like, that was absolutely 
just a, such a bad thing to do in that position. You should push his head down, get up, get away, and strike again. Like the, from the very start, the game plan should have been get away from any takedowns, push him back. And the game plan probably was that, but he threw that knee inside and he got taken down. He got laid on top of a round. And we know Conor McGregor, you know, like like a Vitor Belfort, Conor McGregor's a fast twitch, early power knockout guy. And if you take him down for a round and then you knock him down the second round and keep him down for another full round, he's not knocking you out. You saw Conor McGregor. You know, I watched the fight last night. I was saying, he did the third round. The whole round, basically, apart from 15 seconds of it on the feet, and he didn't get close to the knocking out Habib. All his power was gone. That's just, the, and that's no knocking Conor McGregor. I think he's one of the best fighters we've ever seen in MMA because he can do that so well. He can do that better than anyone, uh, you know, below probably 205 pounds has ever been able to do that. So, you know, it's fantastic. But... <sighs> The game plan, you know, maybe his preparation at the time, I remember we were saying it should be maybe, you know, November, December when he should be fighting. And he took that fight early in October, so maybe he didn't have the preparation needed for it either. That could be another thing as well. Or maybe it was just game playing, or maybe it was just a stupid mistake. But either way, Habib went out and just beat him up, really. What was the rumours? And, and I'm going into uh, something to wrestle territory here when I say rumour and innuendo. But was there rumours that uh, they, they didn't, work on striking at all in that camp did anyone else hear that rumour or is that just me making stuff up I think John no, Cutler I... was kind of saying something like that on the Joe Rogan podcast but it was I think he was kind of I think it was more you know John Cavanagh probably says something like that and then they say oh we're working on nothing but, but striking but I think what he kind of meant was they were working a lot of the time against the fence and they knew Habib would eventually put him up against the fence which is fair enough which is a pretty logical thing to say but I no I sure like if you think about it, he was just after coming out of the flight fight, so he'd been working on he's striking for fucking you know seven or eight months probably coming coming into that. So uh, I don't know, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't buy that too much. Like McGregor is McGregor knows what he's doing. Like he's not going to just work on, on wrestling, leave the striking behind him. But mm. never know. Uh, now from from talking about that to talking the mo- to the most famous Irish fighter in the world at the moment, Becky Lynch. <laughs> the man. The man, Limerick's own. What's the story? Limerick's own. I only found out she was born in Limerick when she was on uh, with Helwani. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he only found it out because I keep calling her Limerick's own Becky Lynch. So, uh, no, yeah. Mara, I'm disappointed in your journalistic integrity considering when we had her on the podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> what sort of research are you doing, huh? I didn't, I, I wasn't aware. Yeah, I don't actually know how long she was actually in Limerick. Like, she could have been born in Limerick because they were away on holidays or something, and she could have gone home to Dublin. I honestly, <laughs> if you get her on the podcast again, ask her. I'd, I'd actually be interested. In, I didn't be interested. No, but she was on SmackDown one day, and it was like Becky Lynch, born in Limerick. I was like, what? Born in Limerick? I was like, brilliant. I can claim this for the rest of my life now. And I put up the tweet. It was it was a miraculous tweet. This was before Becky Lynch has, you know, gone mad and the whole man thing had started off. I goes, oh, Becky Lynch from Limerick. This is going to be a big year for, for Limerick. Uh, Becky Lynch is going to win the title and Limerick Hurlers are going to win the All-Ireland. <laughs> and what happens? Mystic Sean strikes again. Limerick win the All-Ireland. <laughs> Becky Lynch, the biggest pro wrestling star in the last 10 years, probably. So, so you, you could say you she in the future, what? Aye! You can Yay. fucking have that, lads. You can fucking have that. Oh, that could be a new podcast name. <laughs> I'm telling you. She, in the future, I give my predictions every week. Oh, I love it. New segment. Isn't it new great segment. to see, though, Isn't huh? it great to see, though? Isn't it, it great is, to yeah. see someone from Ireland at the top of their game in their industry? Yeah, it is. But, like, the, for me as well, it's great to see her. Like, even... I haven't seen SmackDown yet, so I'm not spoiler space. But I was watching uh, Raw the other night. 
and like herself and Finn Balor there, I was like, just look at him. I was like, Jesus lads, I did farewell, didn't I? Like two two <laughs> Irish people in there, you know, at the top of the game. And it's not just that. Like, even if she wasn't Irish, she just brought a bit of interest back to pro wrestling again, or WWE. There's a lot of interest outside of WWE, I suppose. But like, dude, I've been sick and tired of it for years now, and I don't know why I'm still watching it. Like, but it, since you know Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens did that whole friendship thing, I thought that was hilarious. Since then, there's been nothing. Like, there's been, it's been just dreadful watching, and I know like maybe they have to change things up with this whole AEW thing coming down the road and all. Like, but Becky Lynch is just put the whole world upside down and Ronda's done pretty well as well and fair play I know Mary you're a big fan of Ronda Rousey and she, you know she's done pretty well since she's come in as well so no brilliant she's not she's not great on the mic but her wrestling is absolutely brilliant yeah I think she's all right I think she's she's a bit like Tony Ferguson you know she's a bit of a weirdo and I think that's I think that's all right too you know she says she says like her verbiage is very odd like you know mm. she's very she's talking about like avocado eating and stuff and i think she's actually more like one of one of those people and she's slagging becky lynch for it as well but i don't yeah. mind it too much but I, I think it's like with people like ronda rossi i think it's grand to have her cut like a big promo every maybe month or so like that but you have to keep it special with ronda rossi and i think you know there's a lot of rumors for stopping after wrestlemania as well and and maybe you know having a, a, chil- a child or something or a few children and, and then coming back for special shows and i don't think that would actually be bad for anyone because like oh, she's be. there yeah she is she is signed to 20, 2021 so um she will be probably doing a part-time after after mania but considering she's a year in the company now and she's been pretty much full-time house shows wrestling most weeks on raw like you have to give it to her like yeah fair play to her. like i never thought she'd do that like I, I, she's on a lot of money too like so i can't see I can't see a situation where she stops after Mania without them doing some sort of four horsewoman versus four horsewoman. Yeah. But see, the four horsewoman thing with her four horsewoman, they're still in NXT. So, I mean, China Blazer looked like, yeah. I'd say she might get called up after Mania, but Jessamyn Duke and Rhea Shever, I don't think, I think that's probably down t- towards Survivor Series Road. Which, which is, um, the fair, when you think about it, which makes perfect sense. And then you've got the your, yeah. your Survivor Series tag match. And Probably, of course, yeah. Sasha teased it at, at the Rumble as well. So. Yeah, that, that's what I was just going to say. Like, they don't tease things if they're planning on doing them like years time. Like, for me personally, looking at that, that should be next year's WrestleMania, maybe. Like, you know, let Ronda go away, have her have her child come back, you know, this time next year. Maybe it's gotten it a little bit tighter or whatever. But, you know, even if it's, you know, six months, nine months down the road, whatever. But they don't do that. Like, if they tease something like that, one, two things will either happen. They'll either forget about it and it'll never happen or it'll happen in two years or else it's going to happen straight away. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised, maybe not before Mania, but it could happen before Mania. You know, you mm. could hold, you could run this whole, um, you know, Charlotte turns on Becky and turns it into a triple threat match then, you know, at Fastlane or something like that. Or you could do it in the one after Mania. Like, she mightn't go directly at Mania if they, you know, if she's losing the title there, they might want to put her over in the in that big four horsewoman match and then send her out for a year or whatever. It seems it seems like the 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 they're heading the triple threat route though, doesn't it? Like do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean look they've been making it just yet, is it? Say again? I don't think it's set in stone just yet. I no, think I don't, I don't think it is but they've so, so many weeks until Mania, they have to fill the six weeks. So I don't know, like I think I think it still could be a case where a fast lane, the pay per view after Elimination Chamber, they'll make Becky face Charlotte, and the winner goes on to fa- face Ronda. Probably, and that's look. They have a big and thing coming up. Asking. 
they they have a big thing coming up for Ric Flair's 70th birthday. So you can be 100% Becky. There's going to be an angle where Becky yeah. attacks Ric Flair or something like that. And from there... The yeah, <laughs> some, something like that. And then she'll get a match against Charlotte off the back of that. She'll have him into the armor and it'll be like, I'll let go if you give me my title shot or something like that. And then, you know, all right, fine, you've got it. Uh, you know, the usual kind of crack. And that's probably what I... I just, just love the fact... Yeah, yeah like, I, I love the fact that that we have Vince McMahon involved in a Becky Lynch storyline, lads. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense though. Like, no, he, it makes no it, sense. It, it, it's Vince McMahon. He 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 died yeah. in a limousine explosion <laughs> fucking years ago. For God's sake, it doesn't need to make like, sense. Uh, spent yeah. a three-hour show hyping Becky whether she was going to say sorry or not. She yeah. says sorry, and then Vince comes out and suspends her for no reason. Yeah, he's a bit yeah, of a prick. <laughs> Yeah, but like that's that's WWE. So right, so everybody thinks, oh, okay, right. Steph and Triple H are uh, giving the green light. It's they, all good to go. And then Vince comes in. He's like, no, I'm the man. You're not the man. It makes perfect sense. It's just rehashing Daniel Bryan's story and rehashing yeah. the Stone Cold story. That's all course, they can do. Of though. course it is, man. What the they, fuck do you they, think they're gonna do? Sean briefly mentioned there, but they'd want to smarten up a bit because. I watched the uh, AEW press conference there from the MGM last week, mm-hmm. and I tell you, I'm sold. I am sold with that. That'd be good, it? that yeah. If that gets a TV deal, uh, I'm I'm sold. Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And Seven Jericho is going to see our first match as well. That was really good. Like Jericho's having just unbelievable matches these days. Like, and the, the thing about it as well, you know, seven. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's on me. But the thing about like. The problem as well with the likes of Vince McMahon and stuff, like, it's, you have booking from these guys, like, in AEW and New Japan as well, and they're doing stuff for, like, they're planning out their whole next year. They know when these big matches are going to come and everything like that. WWE just kind of fall into them. Like, they fell into Becky Lynch. They were pure look, and it's it's going to be a triple threat as well, I think. You know, Dave Meltzer reported it, and, you know, when Dave Meltzer reports it, you can you can kind of take it as fact. And, you know, things change all the time, so you'd never know. But, like, the, the problem with... WWE, look at AEW or look at New Japan. Okay, AEW haven't started yet. New Japan do do these things and they, you know, they they set out their stall and they do what they're gonna do. Whereas WWE three weeks ago, they came out and said everything's gonna change here. There's a new yeah. WWE starting. All the McMahon's turn baby face. They're putting on these, you know, these good matchups that everyone wants to see. Three weeks later, Vince McMahon, Becky Lynch, you're not the man. You're suspended for sixty days. Gone pure fucking full heel. Becky Lynch gone mad, Stone Cold Steve Austin's like, what the fuck? Like, it's, they have no planning. It's just supposed to TV, uh, be a TV show. Like, imagine you're watching fucking Carnation Street and Gail Platt one day. Gail Platt jumps into the sea one day and she takes off and she dies. And there's like, oh, Gail Platt's gone. And in three weeks later, Gail Platt's inside and the hairdresser's getting her hair cut. like, she died three weeks ago. What the fuck? This storyline makes absolutely no sense. Like, that's what WWE are doing. This guy's the worst guy in the world. He, you know, he's he's a dickhead to the nicest person in the promotion. And three weeks ago, he was supposed to be a good guy that everyone's going to love, that he's going to change the whole thing. Like, it makes no sense at all. But the, that's the beauty of Vince. That is the beauty of Vince. It's not. Oh, it's the exact beauty. opposite of the beauty of Vince. <laughs> the opposite. Oh, I used to think that, Danny. I used to think that was the beauty of Vince. Now I'm I'm done with him, the senile old bat. <laughs> that man. The second that Vince McMahon biography film comes out, you'll be forcing the queue to go watch it. I cannot deny that. Yeah, but give the give the book to Triple H. That's all I'm saying. Give I agree. The book to Triple H. Do you know what? Look, we at need? The, look, at the, look at the content that comes out in NXT. Any of the NXT takeovers when when Triple H hasn't been seen on Raw or SmackDown for for weeks on end. 
Uh, and then when he shows up then, the crowd go nuts for him because they appreciate him for what he's produced on NXT. Let him do that with Raw and SmackDown and we'll have, we'll have what, f- three, four, five, six hours a week of pure, brilliant television with great characters. Look at Velveteen Dream in, the, in NXT. What a character. Yeah. Look at like, Ricochet. They have the talent as well. Like, like uh, uh, you're talking about the lads in in there, and you know Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano's classes on. But like, look at Andrade Cien Almas. Like, I love him so much. He's just he's the best character. Nozlina Vega's brilliant. He's an unbelievable wrestler. These Rey Mysterio matches have been just brilliant. But like, he's just had three matches that like anyone has cared about in a year and a half or whatever it is it's like it's so frustrating and then you fucking burn carbon on there every week and I, like why am i watching this i hate myself for watching this like and <laughs> baron carbon he's just so who, awful who was responsible for no way jose lads yeah well because whoever whoever <laughs> is responsible for that fucking whatever it is needs to Put stones in their pocket and get walking. You know what I mean. He, he looks like John Jones though. <laughs> Have you seen? Like I never I listen to Dave Meltzer's podcast, and every point I make in here is probably just robbed from Dave Meltzer. But anyway, I was looking like if you if you look at him from afar, you're like, oh yeah, this is the guy. You didn't look at his face. He's the fucking head off John Jones. Yeah, I'm telling you, anyone Google it, no way Jose. He looks the head off John Jones. But anyway, yeah, but he's terrible anyway. So it's absolutely horrific. It's fucking. That is the worst it's gimmick. He's black, isn't it? Sean. What was that? NXT is class though, isn't it? I don't I don't watch too much MSK because I don't have much time, but I watch like the, the big takeovers and stuff when I can. Like that the the, uh, the Almas and Gargano match for me was the best match I've ever seen from a couple of years ago. Like honestly, I think it's better than any of the Kenny Omega matches and stuff. I just like I was never as enthralled by a match ever. Like it was brilliant. Even the halftime heat there a couple of weeks ago that was on. I think that was really good. It was it was not the big five star match you'd be looking for, but it was really good as well. And you know the Champa Gargano matches as well are really good. And all the women coming up as well. You know, Shayna Baszler is really good and Kyrie Zane is is probably the most fun character in all of WWE you could argue at the moment. But yeah it's it's really good. And if Ricochet, like how good is Ricochet? Like they need to get Will Ospreay in there and just have Will Ospreay and Ricochet just go at each other. I I can't stand that. I can't stand oh, it. Oh, I love it. No, I can't. Like, it's fucking... And this is the problem with fucking Rey Mysterio as well. You <sighs> can just pick out the spots before they happen. So it's just like, oh, here we go. 44 cartwheels, three flips off the ropes and a fucking shit standoff. And with Rey Mysterio, it's like, right, how in the world are they going to... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he landed on the ropes conveniently. It's And I get it, it's pro wrestling and I'm getting annoyed about fucking something stupid like that. But that's the <laughs> kind of stuff... Something stupid. Like, it's just, it's fucking infuriating when you can see the spot coming from fucking six weeks before it happens, like. <laughs> what do you like then? Do you like lads headlocking each other and just, like, doing clotheslines and stuff? Do you know what I want? I don't know. I yeah, want submissions. Classy, I want classy Freddy Blassie versus fucking Pat Patterson. That's what I want. <laughs> Fuck this, lads. John, have you been to um, OTT wrestling yet? I haven't, no. I was actually... I was I was invited to one in Limerick and there was a couple of the lads uh, around a f- f- couple of the local Irish lads on it and I was going to go to it but it was, something happened someone was in the hospital or someone anyway so I couldn't go but I've been meaning like myself and PT have been talking about going to that Scrapper Mania I think last year I think there was a Bama on so I, mean, yeah, you know, no, I have to go to one like I really want to see the, like, you know Jordan Devlin and I think he's I think he's taking on Walter coming up here in the yeah, one soon yeah. there's a you know uh, a lot of, a lot of Japan guys Walter, and stuff. Walter against Neville on Sunday this Sunday uh at the National Basketball Arena in Tallaght, oh, really? and then the winner, yeah, it's Walter. Walter's the OTT champion at the moment, mm. um. So it's him against Pack, who was Neville in WWE, 
And then uh, Jordan Give, Devlin against David sorry, can, you, can you give him? Yeah. A, can you give Neville his full title, please? The bastard, is it? No, the man who gravity forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Was that not Evan Bourne, though? It could have been. It was fucking Vince McMahon <laughs> rehashing fucking old yeah, shit again. The exact same character, basically. <laughs> you have to go meet the OTT show, though, Sean. Yeah, I really want to go. I want. Yeah, I, I must definitely go. But he's uh, Neville is in uh, our pocket. He's in. Uh, he's in AEW now as well, isn't he? He's going to be taking on Hangman Page for their inaugural yeah. title, apparently. So yeah, he's really good. Well, they're looking like they're going to sell out the MGM Grand Arena. Twenty-three thousand. I, I it's not the yeah, I think it's set for fourteen thousand or something like that, but they've already sold out. So they were uh, they were wanting to go in the in the the new one, the T Mobile Arena, but apparently that night there could be a playoff game for some hockey or some American shite. Uh so they they couldn't and they had to do it in the other arena. So if they had it in the other arena, apparently they got twenty two thousand um uh calls or emails or whatever for preset codes and that's just twenty two thousand single people so each of them could have been bringing two or three people like that is absolutely fucking insane explain this aew thing to me i've heard of it but i don't know a whole lot is is it basically they've robbed all the new japan lads no it's all elite wrestling so basically the the young books uh kenny omega and cody cody rhodes who actually can't go by the name cody rhodes because vince Mm -hmm. mcmahon owns that name but cody um, they were all in Ring of Honor and New Japan and uh, their contracts expired and the Khan family who own Fulham FC and the Jacksonville Jaguars um, the, the daddy um, is a multi-multi-billionaire I think his net profit is like 4.6 billion his son is a huge professional wrestling fan and he was watching the indies and he's watching the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks merchandise sales are absolutely out of this world. Like, mm. And uh, he basically approached him and, and said, here's here's some money. Um, let's start a, an, uh, an organization. We'll try and get a TV deal. They're on They're They're about to announce a TV deal. Um, they're f- not their first show as AEW is on in the MGM Grand. It's called Double or Nothing. And they've had press conferences. They're going to be announcing rosters every members of their rosters every week and all that. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be pretty big because the Khan family are richer than the McMahons. So they're going to give it a shot. Uh, Tony Khan, I think, is the the son that is taken over, and uh, he's been going on a bit of a podcast tour on Jericho's podcast, Xbox podcast, and his passion for professional wrestling is. Is, as well as like airs will the cans uh, ever have a shave your head match against Donald Trump though <laughs> <laughs> they might do they're, they're, they're loaded if they sign Bobby Lashley maybe <laughs> did I miss anything there Sean no I think you have it but one just interesting point it's not going to do that you, you did that I, I can make nothing from it but you know Cody Rhodes you can't say his name so yeah. his wife has also signed there, and his wife walks out with him, so they, they found a way around it. They call him uh, Cody and Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> so yeah. they can call her Brandy Rhodes, but they can't call him Cody Rhodes, so they call him Cody and Brandy Rhodes. So they found That's a way around it. Yeah. Clever fuckers, man. That's brilliant. I must uh, I must look into the AEW thing then, because I did like the what was the Bullet Club, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I presume, is Marty Squirrel there? Because I like him. Not yet. No, no, no. he's still on the contract. Yeah. He's still on the contract with Ring of Honor. So if they bring, uh, if they get him, and I swear, if they somehow another sign CM Punk, lads, that's it. I'll be in Vegas watching it. What do you think about CM Punk going there, Sean? Do you think it'll happen? 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he even like wrestling anymore. Like if if it was to happen, I think it'd be now. But you know, MMA retirements, you uh, WWE retirements, wrestling retirements, they they never really stick. So you never know. But with CM Punk, like he's very different to a lot of those people as well, isn't he? You know, people give CM Punk an awful lot of shit as well, but he's very very headstrong. Like, and if he sets his mind to something, he tends to to stick to it and and does that. So, but like. I'd love to see him back. The, the thing about CM Punk is when he left, you just knew. I think everyone kind of knew he was never going to be any good as an MMA fighter, no disrespect or anything. And it was it was made even worse because, like, if me or you decided to be an MMA fighter, we're going to be shit like, and everyone knows we're going to be shit, but no one would really care because we're not really that good at anything else. And, and, and we could still do the podcast, like, as you know, as we're the best podcasters in Ireland. But he, <laughs> he was such a good wrestler. That was like, it was just a shame that he left. Like, it was, it was sickening watching him. It was like, he could be resting something. He's the, literally the best in the world at, at the time, anyway. And he's gone to do something he's really mediocre at. That for me, it was just it was heartbreaking. Like. Yeah. Agreed, Sean. We're running out of time, but before we do, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is he staying or going? I don't know. After last night, like oh God. See, the, the thing about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is. It's it's not been going great for the last three or four games. I know, okay, they won most of them and all, but the performances haven't been good. They, they beat Fulham 3-0, but Fulham are fucking terrible. The worst team in the league, I think, by far. And the performance is just... The dead cat bounces kind of over a little bit. But I'm interested to see, like... And I'm glad... At the time, I wasn't glad they gave him the year, but now I kind of am after he went in that 10-game and beaten run. Like, see how he performs now after losing to PSG. Come in here. If he can beat Liverpool or, or you know, even... You know, I wouldn't mind too much losing the Chelsea game in the FA Cup, but if he can beat Chelsea, beat Liverpool, I think he can prove then he kind of has what it takes to be a Man United manager. But I'm still very much on the fence. Like, but the, the biggest problem, I think, for Man United fans and stuff, and looking at all they're going to Solskjaer is, OK, if there was a big, good, big option out there to get as Man United manager, I think we'd be saying, oh, look, fair play, Ola, you're doing a good job for a year and you can go back to Malde in, in, in the summer and we'll get that guy. But there really isn't that. You know, Zidane... Could be the guy. He's won three Champions Leagues, but he's never done it in England. And he's done it with the best team we've ever seen on the planet, probably. So, like, is he going to be able to build a team up? Like, Man United, you just look at him against PSG. They have a lot of average players and playing, you know, playing okay football now. But they're they're not there. They need to be built. So, he's never done that job. Then you look at Pochettino. Okay, he has the Premier League experience, but he's never built a team to be the best team in the league. He's built Tottenham very well, in fairness. He was very good at Southampton. But is he going to be able to... Like for a Man United manager, you want someone who's going to be able to challenge for the Champions League, the league, the FA Cup, and the League Cup every year, and maybe win at least one, maybe two of them. And if you don't, it's a failure. Like, is Pochettino going to be able to do that? I'm not sure. Like, any of the two of them, I wouldn't mind seeing him, giving him a chance. You know, Solchar, if he keeps doing well to the end of the season, I wouldn't mind giving him a chance. But I still think the job is there for it to be won. But it's, it's, it's fucking. It, it, as a Man United fan, like it's. It's very difficult to know what I even want them to do because there's been just so many failures now in a row. And I think it all comes down to David Moyes. Like, uh, I said it at the time, he never should have been given that job. He was, yeah. you know, he was stuck in his ways at Everton. They never played great football. He was, I just knew he wasn't a good manager. And he, he you know, he sacked Mike Field and all the backroom team that Ferguson had changed that club, turned it upside down. And it's going to take years to recover from that. And, like, I don't know. It's a difficult one now, but it's a big, big choice, and I hope to make the right one. I think, I think what if if anything, what they have found out is that they need somebody that is kind of. I don't want to sound like so stupid here, but the Man United DNA, so to speak, yeah. in that 
what they're miss what Moyes didn't have that. Uh, Louis Van Hal didn't have that. Jose Mourinho didn't have that. Uh, neither of them uh, picked any kind of old United players to be backroom staff. Only Michael Carrick in, in Mourinho's last season. Um, but I think, I think something along the lines of Solskjaer, who played for United for 10, 11 years, managed the reserves. I think something along that mould, no pun intended, is... is, for, is it's for it, like. Do you know that way? I think, I don't think Zidane will work. I don't think Pochettino will work because they're not Man United. But they want. I think they need somebody that is the class of Fergie, so to speak. I, like, I think what needs to be happening. I agree with you, but I think that person should be in the director of football role. Like I, I really do. Even if it's a Gary Neville or if it's an Edwin Van der Sar, you know, he's been doing it at Ajax, and I think yeah. he'd probably be the best job. Like I think that's the role where you put the Man United DNA because they're the person signing the players. You know, you're going out, you're going to sign fast wingers. You know, young right and left backs who can, you know, or maybe not left back, but a right back anyway who can get in there for for fucking ten years and play there a big centre back. You know, who'd make the signings. Where we need signings, you know, don't sign someone, you know, to play in goals because we fucking David De Gea. Why would you need one of them? Or don't sign, you know, a, a striker because we fucking Lukaku and, and Rashford. Like, sign the players that we need. Like, and Alexis Sanchez was a, just a stupid sign and it turned out to be, turned out to just be horrendous altogether. Like, and we need, like, we need centre backs. We need to, a better player than Ander Herrera. I like him, but he's a good trier and he does his best always, but he's just not the class of player if you want to win Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues. Like, they need to set out the stall. These are players. Look, we have this window, we're going to sign these three players. The next window, we're going to sign these three players. We're going to move on Valencia. We're going to move on Ashley Young. But we're going to keep him for six months or a year or whatever. We need that planning. And that planning doesn't seem to be there at all. Mourinho was kind of buying willy-nilly. And he was buying you know players that don't really fit the Man United mold and stuff like that. But it's I think that's really what we need someone to plan it. And then put in a manager who can take that plan forward. And I actually think Pochettino would be a good man to do that with Van der Sar. But I'm I'm yet to be sold really on anyone to be honest. I think uh, I love the opportunity to quote an ABBA song, lads, and I'm gonna go with the history book on the shelf is always repeating itself. You've got mm. a, almost a mirror image of you know when Busby went away and then the manager situation there, and it just it it always seemed like Busby the the, the shadow he cast a long shadow kind of syndrome. Do you know what I mean? And that's what's happening with Fergie. And I just think that nobody is going to be able to step out of that shadow. And I'm I'm a Man United fan, like, for whatever football I watch. And I just don't see a situation where United are going to get anywhere near the level they were at for the next decade. Like, I just don't see it. It doesn't matter who they bring in. I think what you said there, Sean, about David Moyes turning everything upside down and getting rid of so much of the stability that was there. And it's, maybe it was a situation of kind of a, a new broom sweeps clear. But... It just it fucked things up far too much. And yeah. I just think if you put that much turbulence in the air, the plane is going to drop. And you know it is a pretty big fucking plane to fall out of the sky, but it's not getting back up anytime soon. Like the, the thing is as well, though, I don't, I, I don't think it's an irretrievable situation at the moment. Because like, if you look at De Gea, best goalkeeper in the world, I think Lindelof is absolutely fantastic. I think he's, you know, a lot of people gave him a lot of stick for a long time, and I don't think they were actually watching him playing on the fucking field because he's been playing very well. And I think they're coming... Mm-hmm you know, deciding how good he actually is this year because he's been fantastic. Like, you have, you know, Dallow could be a good guy coming forward. I think we need to sign someone else there. Luke Shaw's looking like the player everyone expected. You know, you have Rashford, fantastic player. Martial, a fantastic player. You know, that, there's a bending of a good team there. If you can sign a big-name centre-back to go alongside um, Lindelof, if you can sign 
you know, someone like a Verratti last night playing for PSG to play in the middle of the field there. You know, and I know Matic probably has another couple of years. And, you know, you have Pogba there as well. You know, he's hit and miss and stuff. But if he, I think he's other good players with him. He could be fantastic as well. So, like, if you can sign two or three huge big players that will make that difference at centre-back, centre-midfield and maybe a right-winger as well and put a little, you know, a few more squad players there with him, move on to Deadwood. I think it's retrievable, but you need good windows, you need good signings and you need, you know, the proper signings and that's why I think the, the director of football role is really important because it's, you're, you know, you're a few signings away from maybe coming second, win the league, getting to a, a Champions League final, winning a Champions League, winning cups, but you're also two or three signings away from finishing fucking seventh again because if they're the wrong signings, you're you're fucked and it's going to make the team worse and, and get a man, another manager sacked and stuff like that. So it's, this is a very, very crucial time for Man United, I think. It's interesting to see what's going to happen over the next couple of uh, years. Limerick two in a row? I, I can't... I honestly think we will, to be honest. <laughs> Because they've been so good. It was funny, the, the, one of the best moments of my life. Right? When I was in college, I was living with lads, all of them from Kerry, right? And I live in Newcastle West, so it's on the Dublin Road up yeah. from, from Kerry. So they used to always say, oh, this is, oh, Newcastle West, that's the place we drive through when we go to the All-Ireland. So this, these pricks, like, onto me, like, about this. And one of the, one of the best moments of my life, I was, I was in the car with one of my friends going down for a few pints in Killarney. And uh, I said to him, now, if you, ha-, and he's from Kerry, and a big, big football fan, and I said, if you had to say now and you have to put your life in it, who will win an All-Ireland first? The Limerick Hurlers or the Kerry Footballers? And he said, probably the Limerick Hurlers. And I was like, yes, <laughs> thankfully, finally, we've overtaken them bastards. And I like, I actually like the Kerry Footballers and everything like that, but it's just because they've ruined it for me. But yeah, we just have a fantastic team. I think we have the best team in the country at the moment. I think we've had for a couple of years, but they haven't been able to put it together. I think they have the best manager in the country. John Kiley is absolutely fantastic. And now the burden is off their backs. They can go out and play. And maybe it won't be this year, but they'll win one. It won't be another 45 years. They'll win one in the next two or three years anyway. But looking by the league farm so far, they, they kind of blew away Tipperary. They, they had a... Uh, you know, they had a a couple of tough matches and they still were able to, to get through it and win it, not with all their top players playing yet either. So I, I think we will win. And look, you, your lads, Dublin, are going to win the football as well. So we'll have a big party above and we'll, it's a great time. <laughs> Only winners on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah. it. I think we'll, the Newcastle West is a lovely part of the world. We'll bring the session down there, man. I, I yeah, love yeah, that. Quite down around Temple Glantine and that's a great spot. Um, oh, that's where my father was born. I tell you now, down yeah. yeah, there. You know, how do you know Temple Glantine now? I want to know ah, this. Ah, listen, I can't possibly say on this podcast. There are far <laughs> too many people fucking asking questions about what I get up to. But that, yeah, no, that neck of the woods there, Temple Glantine, Newcastle yeah. West, that little area, great spot. Um, yeah, Sean, it has been a fucking pleasure, man. We left it about a year since we talked to you last and I don't think we'll leave it that long again. It's great to hear your voice. Um, if people want to hear more of the dulcet West Limerick tones, where can they get it? They get me on the Severe Man podcast out every Sunday, but it'll probably be Monday now next week because there's a Sunday card, but out every Sunday. And then Patreon as well. You can go to severemed.com forward slash points for the price of a pint a month. You can get about 20 podcasts a month. I have two interviews with up-and-coming Irish fighters this week. Uh, I have the Q&A every Tuesday. I have the rewatch. I go back and watch an old fight and commentate over it every Thursday. And you, you know, everyone listening to this, they're listening to this because they want to support Irish people and Irish people on the come up. And, you know, if you want to support your media, people who talk shit and say the truth and all of that stuff, sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Med Podcast. Severe Med.com forward slash points. Do it. You'll make me very happy and you can buy me a pint. Love it. Yeah. Sean, it. pleasure as always. Up Limerick. Thanks, lads. Bye. Go on. Go on, Limerick. Good luck. <laughs> ah, he's not bad for a Limerick lad, is he? Uh, he's already, he'll do. PT Carroll, I'm sure, will be on to us now questioning what the fuck we're playing at having him on. 
And how dare we? And big, big Phil as well. Speaking of Big Phil, we need to give him a shout out and a little plug, man, because he's doing uh, a live gig in uh, Dublin Fair City. Yeah, in the international, isn't it? Look, it's free gig. Phil is a gent. If you don't know him or you're unfamiliar with him, you can go back and listen to any of the podcasts we've done with him, or you can check out uh, our man in Stockholm. Well worth a listen. But uh, February 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st. He's going to have Margaret Ward. He's going to have Dil Vikramasinghe, who's been on this podcast. He's going to have Dion Fanning. And uh, he's going to do an Ask Me Anything around the topics of journalism and whatnot. And if you haven't heard Phil talking about media in general, you need to. So, yeah, head along to that. Check it out. If you follow Phil on Twitter, you'll be able to get it nice and easy. He's at Philip O'Connor. Um, and he loves a tread. He does, he does. Um, so yeah, head head along, lads. I would definitely say head along. And it, sorry, you're all right. It is in the international bar. It's on Wicklow Street, of course. So definitely, definitely, definitely worth going to. I would say. I'd say the one with uh, Dion Fanning would be brilliant. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the Dion's Dion... been he's been putting out amazing uh, content with Joe Dorie. Yeah, absolutely. Lately. Yeah, great right. interviews on, on the unfiltered podcast. Yeah, the the Dion Fanning and ask me anything would be if if I were to get a long time there'd be two I'd be trying to get to, but not that's not to say the other speakers aren't just as good. <sighs> right, Mara, that's another one down and done. Another one in the bag. In the satchel. I um I feel like I feel like there's momentum growing towards the live show. Oh, do you? I do. We were, we were slightly called out, Graham. Oh, we were. Who were we called out by? We were called, <laughs> we were called out by who I thought were friends of the show. <laughs> who I thought were friends of the show. I love and, that idea, by the way. And, there, and then Suzanne Kane goes and tells people that she's going to kick our arses. Like, well, we, well, you know. well we, we accept any challenge. Exactly. If you if you want to do a, you name the place, you name the time, Suzanne. Bring PJ, bring whoever you want, bring an army. Doesn't matter. Once you go black, you never go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. We, yeah. Look, lads. There might be that. That also. Brian Galligan, listener of the show, Gallo, uh, tweeted an idea, and it just seems to have kind of you know started to get a bit of momentum, and the wheels are turning on it. So who knows? Look, it might happen. It might never happen. But uh, we're all for it. It seems like the Dublin crew are all for it. And Paul Howard is all for it as the special host of the evening. So who knows? Who knows? We're all in. That's it. Roy, Mero, do you want to do the outro or will I do the outro? Um, you can listen to us anywhere you get a podcast. Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podbean, Apple iPod. Apple podcast. <laughs> Apple podcast. Just search WTS Pod. You can get us on Twitter at WTS Pod. Uh, tweet us with all guest suggestions and uh, put us up against any other rival podcasts as well. <laughs> I'm already joking. Yeah, exactly. And um, well, that's it. I think is it. That is it. Man. He's at Dan Joe Murray anywhere on social media. No, I'm at Meridian Mania. Done. That is it. Thanks again to Sean Sheen and check out Severe MMA Podcasts if you're not already. Merlo, until next week, Akara. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Boots. 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 Boots.